0: Um, let's tune into the Bible, let's, uh, let's have a look together at uh, Philippians, it's printed in your outline so if you've got a little handout that'll um, have it there, otherwise you can look it up in your Bibles or on your device. Uh, but let's pray first that God will help us to hear from him tonight. Loving Father, we thank you for your word and as we look at this um, r- really exquisite part of scripture, pray that you'll help me to... Uh, Be faithful and to honour your word I pray that you help us all to honour your word by examining our hearts And asking you to help us to change where we need to And we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen Well the topic for this particular part of scripture is extreme humility And I'm the ideal person to speak on this Uh, Because of my pride and because of my selfishness, I know that it takes hard work. Uh, Maybe you're a little like me. I don't like being forgotten. I don't like being overlooked. I don't like coming second. Uh, I have a fairly competitive spirit about me, and I like getting things my way. Uh, The the reality is that I can be difficult to live with. Uh, My selfishness can get in the way of relationships. I can feel entitled about things, and therefore, when I look at this passage, I can see that change is needed, which I think makes me the ideal person to look at this, and I'd imagine, by a few nods that I've seen around the room, that some of you feel that maybe it's got something to say to you as well. Well, let's have a look at it together, Um, and uh, as we do this, let me issue a warning and that is this is not a part of scripture to be read and ignored the the bible says that if we read the word or hear the word and then go away and forget it we're like a person who looks at himself in the mirror and realizes something needs doing and then goes away and does nothing and there's a great danger in being that person we've recently looked in this church at the book of exodus and we saw that one of the Um, appalling things that people did in the book of Exodus was hear from God and then harden their hearts and there's a huge risk for us Uh, so let's ask God to soften our hearts as we hear from him tonight now you'll notice as we get into Philippians chapter 2 that there's a continuation of the argument Uh, I wasn't here uh, to hear the talks that were given last week even though I gave them Uh, you can work that out, it was a video But uh, what we saw at the end of chapter 1 sets us up for the beginning of chapter 2. Notice it starts with the word, therefore. And it's as we see what's at the end of chapter 1 that we see why he says the things that he does in this passage tonight. So let me just go back a few more verses and remind you of the last bit of what we looked at last week. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, And then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened by those who oppose you. And this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, And now, here that I still have. Therefore, he says. So, the context is one of persevering as Christians, it's of helping each other to persevere by doing it together. It will be a struggle and there'll be suffering that's involved. But what Paul is praying for and writing about and passionately committed to is seeing this church in Philippi grow and continue and make it to the last day intact. Every Christian he wants to see finish what they've started. He knows that God is in the business of starting, continuing and finishing the work. And so he's calling people to keep in step with that. He wants them not just to start out well, but to finish well. And if they're going to finish well, then one of the things... ...that we must give attention to is our attitude along the way. This is a chapter which is strong on the attitude of humility. And humility is where the way you start the Christian life, when you think about that. Uh, you recognise that you're a sinner in need of God's grace. You ask for forgiveness. That's a, a step of humility. It's the way that you will finish the Christian life. So how do we push on with humility? Well, the the reasons he's writing here are that they will continue. And then he says in verse 1, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and of one mind the reasons for what he's going to say are given first, that is to continue as Christians um, and to persevere even though there'll be suffering and struggles and difficulties along the way and so he reminds us of what we have if we have Christ. You'll notice the word if, therefore if you have any encouragement, If he's writing to Christians, he could substitute the word if for because. Because if we belong to Christ, then we are united with Christ, and that's where our encouragement comes from. If we belong to Christ, then we know his love, and that's what gives us comfort. If we belong to Christ, then we each share in the Spirit of God, and that Spirit unites us to each other. You see, he's speaking not in hypotheticals. He's reminding them of what they have. So brothers, sisters, if you belong to Jesus, then you have the Spirit of God. You're connected to each other. You have encouragement that comes from being united with Christ. You have comfort that comes from him. You have tenderness and compassion that comes from Christ. And so we're being called to make... Paul's joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. There's a big push to unity, isn't there? One mind, like-minded, the same spirit, the same love. One of the things, uh, one of the dreadful things that causes churches to fail and Christians to fall by the wayside is the friction and the tensions that can occur between people. The gospel unites us together in Christ. We're connected by the spirit. What we want in our independence, in our pride and in our selfishness, in our feelings of entitlement is to get our own way. And when you get two people wanting to get their own way, then you tear apart. Paul wants the church to continue. He wants the Christians to continue. So he reminds them of what they have in the gospel He reminds them that they're united to each other by the Spirit in Christ. And he calls them, therefore, to think this way. Therefore, be like-minded. Not a clone of Paul, but focused on Christ. Be united together with the same Spirit and the same love. So, this is all to do with the why. We've got the Gospel, we've got Christ, we've got the Spirit... We've got the past dealt with, we've got the future guaranteed, we've we've got God's encouragement through the Word and through His Spirit along the way. Therefore, be of one mind. Be focused together. Fix your eyes on Jesus, is what he's saying. And then, this is what flows from it, verse 3. You don't have to wait long for the application. Verse 3, Therefore do nothing out of selfish ambition... Or entitlement, or vain conceit, pride. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, if we have these things in the gospel, then live it out in relationship with each other. It's pretty uncomplicated. It's really quite simple to understand, isn't it? But it's hard to do. You can see why it's actually an important passage to apply to our hearts. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, value others above yourself. Sometimes I think people misunderstand the nature of humility. Um, we, We tend to think that that humility is thinking um, less of yourself. How can someone like Kelly Slater or Mick Fanning show humility? Is it by saying, well, I'm not really that good a surfer. No, that's stupid. They're ridiculously good surfers. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. That's the nature of humility. Not pretending that you're not capable, or you're not forgiven, or you're not a child of God. All these things are true. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not putting yourself first, it's a commitment to coming second, putting Jesus first, maybe putting others before yourself, so it's not even second, you've got to settle for the bronze, and maybe it's not even a medal. You see, the reality of knowing the Gospel is that God has met every need that we have, This picture here of the treasures of encouragement from being united with Christ, comfort from his love, common sharing in the spirit, tenderness and compassion, this is a treasure that we have. And yet we have it in Christ that we might not look to put our own needs first, but to look to the needs of those around about us. See, Jesus actually liberates us from having to be prideful, from having to have a sense of entitlement, from being selfish, because he's covered everything that we need. And we just need to have that mindset. We just need to realise what we've been given so that we're not constantly on the lookout for number one. And they are able, therefore, to put others before ourselves. See, once we understand the nature of the gospel and all that we've been given by Christ, we see that, that we're actually being called to, to stay in the background, to take a lesser place, to want others to be promoted, to want to see others flourishing and growing. But it's hard, isn't it? Because we're taught to look to our own rights. We grow up with a sense of... Entitlement and thinking that we deserve what we've got. Well, the gospel is the why. Putting others before ourselves is the what. What we see in Jesus is the how. And these are wonderful words, aren't they? Let's read them again from verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Jesus who, being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I'll just pause there. These are some of the most profound words in the scripture about Jesus. Um, This is a a theology degree in a few words. Here we've got a wonderful picture of the glory of Christ in his being and in his doing. But what we see in the midst of all this is the mindset of Jesus. Notice what it says in verse 5, "...in your relationships with one another..." Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. There's a uniqueness to Christ. Don't mistake that. Um, only Jesus is in very nature God, not you, not me, not anybody else. There's a uniqueness here to Jesus and what He does. But there's a mindset to be copied. There's a mindset that we are to adapt, uh, to adopt. Apologies. And what is that mindset? Well, here is the one human who is absolutely and completely entitled. He is in very nature God, entitled to everything, all glory and honour and power. And yet, he doesn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he makes himself nothing and takes on the very nature of a servant. So we get an insight here into the nature of God himself. That God is fundamentally servant-hearted. It's, it's not that you have God becoming Jesus and then Jesus Adopting a mindset of humility and servant-heartedness. It's because it's there in the very heart and being of God that leads him, God, to become a human being, Jesus, for the purpose of serving. It's in very essence of God. And he serves in a way which is extreme. Notice what he does. He makes himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. It's it's kind of strange language, isn't it? He is a man, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Someone has once described what God does here as like, <clears throat> like an extreme bungee jump. So God in heaven enters into our world and then a- as you, you look at the second half of this, you can see the, the bungee coming back up again um, when it talks about him being exalted to the highest place. But the thing about this, if you want to think of this in terms of a bungee jump is that he jumps, knowing and intending to hit the ground. That is, God enters into our world in Christ with the purpose of dying. Now, you and I all enter into this world knowing that we're going to die. But it's not our choice. We die because it's the wages of sin. And we deserve to. Jesus enters into our world with the express purpose of serving. And his serving is seen most emphatically and clearly and deliberately in his death. So a a commentary on this, in Jesus' own words, is in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, where he says, "...for even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve." So what Jesus is saying is, I've come to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the nature of the service that Jesus comes to give is to give up his life, to go to the cross, notice what it says, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus comes from heaven for the purpose of hanging on a cross. Have you contemplated that? I mean, it's incredible that God who created this universe, that that our most advanced telescopes keep telling us is bigger and bigger and bigger than we could ever imagine, becomes a human being, a finite little speck in this universe. That's incredible enough. But that God should become a human being, deliberately intending to die on a cross, is beyond comprehension. But we can understand why. Because he's come to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So think about the mindset that's at work here. Paul's been saying to the Christians in Philippi, consider other people more important than yourself. Um, Look at all you've been given by Jesus, so don't live as entitled prats. No, I didn't actually say that, but but put other people before yourself and live for them. And in doing that, have the mindset of Jesus. Jesus, who has everything, gives up everything. Everything and dies on a cross so that people can be saved. That's the mindset that we're to have. And so, friends, as we think about the people that we live with, the the people who we gather with at church, the, the people that you're going home to see, the people that you'll meet at work on a Monday morning, the people that you'll catch up with on the beach or out in the surf, the the people that you carpool with, the people that you play sport with, as you catch up with family and friends and neighbours, think about the mindset of Jesus, who was prepared to give up everything for the sake of seeing them saved. We heard from Brett, the Christian surfers has a mission. We should only ever have a mission if it comes from God. And God is saying, here's the mindset. Serve to save. Serve to save. Put people first that they might be saved. That's what he's calling us to. And he's not calling us to do something that he didn't do. We'll see more of that next time. He's not calling us to do something that Jesus didn't do. He's calling us to have the mindset that we see Jesus living out. And if you're worried that if you give up everything for the sake of others, that God hasn't got you covered, well, look at the example of Jesus. Verse 9, Therefore, that is, Jesus has become obedient to death, even death on a cross the sacrifice, giving his life for others. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, God the Father takes care of Jesus. He gives up his life and God raises him again. The resurrection, an event in history that's real, that we put our trust in. The resurrection, 40 days later, the ascension. Was it 50? We look at what God does to Jesus and it gives us confidence that as we pour out our life For the sake of others, that God will look after us. I think that's the logic that's at work here. But there's another logic too in this and that is, it reminds us that in all of what God is doing for us in Christ, it is at the end of the day that he might be worshipped as God. And everything that we're called to do, the mission that we are to be a part of, is fundamentally not just about seeing people saved, but seeing saved people giving glory to God through Jesus. And that's what we see there in verse 11. Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Does that mean that everyone will be saved? I, I don't think that's what it's saying. I think there'll be those who acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord, willingly. Those who put their trust in Christ. And sadly, there'll be those who must acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord, defiantly. And so we call people to respond. So let's just gather some of these thoughts together. Paul's writing To the Christians in Philippi, because he wants them to continue. He he wants to see them there with him and with Jesus on the last day. And he knows that there'll be all kinds of things that will pull them away from Jesus, and fundamentally, it's the problem of our own pride, and our own entitlement, our own selfishness. That's what will keep us from Jesus. So we need each other. We need to remind each other of the gospel. We need to hear over and over and over and over what Jesus has done for us and what that means for us. And to never grow tired of hearing that wonderful message of salvation through Christ. And as we remind each other of this message, realize that it has a logical flow on. It. The logic is God's done everything to look after you, so you don't have to be on about looking after yourself. You have everything you could possibly ever need in Christ so you can put others before your needs. What's this going to mean for you? What's it going to mean for me? Well, let me encourage you to do a little thought exercise here. Come back to verse 3. I want to encourage you to stick your name in front of it. Imagine this is to you. So Matt, front and centre. Matt, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Looking not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Matt, that's going to mean, Beck... And it's going to mean Zeke and Beatrix. It's going to mean your fellow staff at school and the students. And everyone here in this church. And your neighbours and your extended family. But let's not pick on you, Matt. Tim. Kate. Paul. Karen. David. Warwick. Kath. I could keep going around and I won't because I don't know all your names and because we've got to be out of here by 5.20 to collect our kids. But friends, that I think is what Jesus would have us do. That, that's what the mindset m- will mean is to think Christ's thoughts to put ourselves into the picture. Well, I want to encourage us to reflect again and continuously through this week on these words. To ask God to fill you with a deeper appreciation for what Jesus has done for you. And then maybe, just maybe, as we reflect on this, we'll see areas that need to change. And then we can ask God for his strength. To help us to make these changes. Let's pray now. Our loving Father. We, we know that we do fall so far short. Of the glory that we see in Christ. The attitude of extreme humility. We ask your forgiveness for our pride. And our selfishness. And our feelings of entitlement. May we get better at seeing that we have everything we need from you so that we are freed up to offer so much more to those around about us. Help us to be more concerned for building up our brothers and sisters than we are for receiving acknowledgement and appreciation ourselves. Help us to be people who, who willingly count the cost because we see the greater good Help us to be generous, sacrificial, and we pray that you'll be moving in our hearts and our minds to to shape us into the likeness of Jesus, that more and more we'll be showing that Christ-like character of humility and pointing people to you and to your glory. Amen.